0: Uh, uh, yeah, all Uh, well, all Yeah, well, all right. Uh, yeah, (sighs) feel good. It's a celebration. Clap, clap, bravo. Lobster and shrimp and a glass of Moscato for the girl who's a student and a friend who's a model. Finish the whole bottle and we gon' do a bit like this. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I am your host, Dr. Richard Waith, and I have the honor of having a probably one of the a, a very I would say a standout pharmacy student on the uh, on the phone call today. Um he... Yeah. We've actually met on Instagram uh, and, you know, which is funny because I'm meeting a lot of people on Instagram nowadays. But we met on Instagram. He immediately stuck out. Uh, there's a part in his bio that says, um, you know, if you if you take a look at some of his social media platforms, one of his bio says he's his interests lie in finding an intersection between pharmacy and technology to create a more human centered approach to pharmacy practice. It aligns a lot with what I do. And I really just want to say. Danny Kim, welcome to the show.
1: Well, Trude, thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Start by, I guess, you know, telling the listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, uh, give them a little bit of a background, and then we're going to get into all the cool things that I think that you're into, like venture capital and PillPack and um, all that good stuff. So let's just start with a little intro about yourself. Sounds good. So, hello, listeners of Alex Radio. My name
1: is Danny Jim Kim. And I always like to introduce myself as so, uh, pharmacist in training. I'm a student at Northeastern University uh, located in Boston. I'm a designer at heart, and we'll probably have a chance to talk a little bit more about that. And uh, lastly, I'm an investor in action. I'm a VC with venture capital firm called Contrary Capital. or a small university venture capital firm that uh, invests in student, foreign, or student started, uh, startups out of these all-interesting universities around the nation.
0: So that, I mean, I don't think I've ever met a pharmacy student that was in venture capital. So please, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, You know, what is your involvement there? How did that get started? Where did that come from? Uh, Let me know what's going on with that.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, so
0: um, being a student BC in pharmacy space is quite weird. I think um,
1: I would be, uh, safe to say I'd be the first one. (laughs) I haven't (laughs) met anybody else online uh, or offline that uh, kind of exerted the same title. But, um, yeah, it got started because probably where I'm located at, um, so, you know, student at Northeastern University in Boston, right? And the uh, great thing about being in Boston is the conversations that you just kind of get to surround yourself in, the friends that you get to have, is very different from, say, if I were to go to pharmacy school up here in uh, New Hampshire, Manchester right now. Um, and, you know, I surround myself with friends uh, that were actively involved in entrepreneurship, venture capital, all these great spaces. And thought to myself, uh yeah, this would be something that I definitely wanna look into. Um but yeah, I definitely didn't start out that way. I uh, came into college thinking that I'm gonna be venturing into global health, actually a nonprofit, having founded one back in high school.
0: Nice. And you know, in with venture capital, I mean, are there mm-hmm. active companies that you uh that the the firm has like invested in or how does it work now? Are you still exploring like where is what is the involvement now with kind of I guess companies either that are operating or that you're even maybe looking at.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So um I think it'll be definitely good to take a step back and maybe just explain what DCs do exactly. Because uh, you know, a lot of the times uh there is a misconception that we just wear suits around the town, you know, network, network, network and uh, you know, uh, make make money kind of rain. <laughs> Which yeah. uh, at least some VCs do out in Silicon Valley. But uh, a lot of what we do is basically bulls down to three things. First is meet a lot of uh, interesting founders and uh, ventures. Um, two is to definitely pick out the home for or our unicorns in this space. And three is uh, what we call ABC. In this space, always be clothing. And, um, you know, we, we just started out, uh, even taking a step further back, uh, Country Capital started out with kind of like a mindset and uh, a motto in mind that talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. You know, we, um, Richard, you and I both probably, like, you know, been around the cities where, you know, um, entrepreneurship and this idea of startup culture is just so vibrant that you cannot avoid it. Whereas you go into some cities where, um, you know, people never heard about these uh, amazing uh, technologies or startups that are in place. So uh, we kind of picked that idea further and said, you know, if um, there is a founder that has an interesting idea and a potential to, um, you know, make something big, that has a potential to reach out to many lives. Um, we want to be there and help them in financial way, um, connect them to our network, and so on and so forth. And that's why it attracted me first. And um, you know, going forward, uh, I would like to set, um, start a company of my own, you know, right down the line. And sitting at the other end of the table, how do you evaluate companies? Um, how do you pick the winners from the bunch? And whatnot will definitely come as an invaluable intuition and framework to have as a founder. That's why you
0: joined Venture Capital in the first place. Gotcha. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about, um, where you're at with, uh, where you're at currently. So first of all, what, um, <laughs> where are you at in school? What, um, what year are you going into?
1: So I'm actually going into my P one year. So only thir- uh, three years in college. <laughs> and i uh,
0: still got four more years to go in Boston. Perfect. And what is going on with pill pack? Like, I think it's super yeah. cool that, you haven't even really you know started into your crazy venture of pharmacy yet you know in pharmacy school yet you're already <clears throat> getting a lot of experience in like a very innovative um in a very innovative way you know doing an internship with pill pack so right, right. What, like mm-hmm. i would assume that the listeners know what pill pack is you know so i don't think we need to you know get to exactly what it is but I would probably say like what makes it different and like what maybe why wasn't like some other company already you mm-hmm. know a large player why didn't they already just do this?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, that's that's a lot of good questions right there. Um, I'll probably take a step back and see like how I first uh, got involved with ProTax. So in Northeastern, we have a component of a curriculum where we call experiential learning. So they give us an entire semester off to so just go and work with a uh, company of their choice full time. And a lot of the time, students go with you know CBS, Walgreens, community pharmacies, or hospitals. And I thought to myself, you know, I've seen so many interesting um, ventures and founders uh, through this venture capital position. And I thought, you know, I developed a framework and somewhat of an intuition to, uh, you know, pick out the winners um, to kind of like you know find where at least get a taste of the potential of who's going to become big. And I wanted to apply the same thing when I was looking for this uh, position, call position, and. Um, Start of uh, last year, I think it was, I met PJ, uh, founder of PillPack. And um, that's a whole rundown. Um, to the listeners that are not familiar with what we do, we're an online pharmacy startup that focuses on um, sorting out medications for patients to take uh, multiple medications a day. And we do something called multi dose dispensing system, where we basically replace your pill bottles in packets. Um, so, yeah, having said that, um, I came up to Manchester, in New Hampshire thinking that this was the future of pharmacy. And my friends um, at first thought it was just crazy because they know how much I love Boston. Um, and about a month passed, and a little more than a month passed, and two weeks ago, we just released the news that uh, we got acquired by Amazon for about a billion dollars. My friends were all congratulating me for uh, being there in such a fortunate time. But, um, you know, looking back, I, I had no doubt, um, that Copac was going to make this big. And, uh, there are a lot of good things that I think set us apart, um, from, from how the existing players, uh, so, sort of, uh, offer their services. Um, let's see. To kind of break it down, I always like to explain it in like almost uh, building a house. Um, so we first start off with the base and the base is our, borderlining obsession, customer focus. Who's yeah. our core customer, core user, and like what can we do for them? And that's where TJ and Elliot, our co-founders, was to offer a better experience for patients um, to not basically sort out the pillboxes. Uh, you know, I remember like talking to TJ about this, and uh, I cannot forget what he said with. Like, Danny, we live in a age where." We have things like artificial intelligence. You know, we're shooting rockets to the moon, and if you're Elon Musk, you're sending rockets to Mars. <laughs> and um, you know, we got the whole entire that figure figured out. And you know, here we are, um, you know, looking at patients where are sorting out toolboxes. boxes. I mean, like how archaic is that? And uh, he thought there must be a better way of doing this. And as you know, um, multi-dose dispensing system has been around for decades. I would say. You know, I'm native of Korea. And so I'm not a foreigner to the system. We've been, I mean, that's like the system I grew up with. You know, there is no pill bottle in countries like Netherlands or Korea. Like there's only packets. And on same states, like there are, um, you know, packaging services uh, that get initiated in nursing homes and hospitals and whatnot, but it wasn't as broadly uh, widespread uh, as, you know, COVID kind of did in the last couple of years. Um, So again, kind of like, That uh, idea, what can I do um, for this customer, um, you know, or this patient uh, that are experiencing a certain problem? I think was uh, the base of like kind of what we uh, build our house on. And then there are three pillars that I always like to emphasize is design, technology, and customer service. So at the beginning of the uh, interview, I kind of introduced myself as designer at heart. And uh, that's the same one, actually, that TJ introduces himself as. He always calls uh, himself pharmacist by training, but designer at heart. Oh, really? And, um, that's, yeah, actually, yeah, I, I saw it right away. I was like, yep, yeah, that's, that's the line that I want to go for. And, um, you yeah, know, design actually means um, something quite different when TJ and I are talking about this. It, it's uh, human-centered design, HCD, or what people say, design thinking. Um, it's the backbone of uh, design consulting terms like Ideal. Um, You know, famous for helping start-up, you know, Apple Spouse, MacBooks, Airbnb, and so on and so forth. Um, And one core theme that kind of runs behind this principle of design thinking, human-centered design, is we put the user, in this case, in healthcare patient, at the center of everything that we do. Whether we start a company, offer different services, develop products, we always go back to the core question that is, how is this helping? Our customers is helping our patients so to speak yeah and you know i think that's that's at the heart of what we do at pillpack um and that brings us to the next pillar which is technology um i, I remember talking to my friends um and they have a misconception that all pillpack does is offer this uh multi-dose dispensing system and um you know as we talked before this isn't something new there's coming to the space. In fact, uh, big players like Walgreens actually um, ventured into this space before we did. We ever came into place in 2012. Oh, really? 2011, uh, yeah, they um, you know, started out the technology. Uh, and Walgreens, you know, pushed themselves to be kind of like the, the face of the digital pharmacy. And the effort still continues on. But um, PillPi definitely took the lead in the sense that we, uh, I think, um, took it at the level of a startup where... You know, we we're able to implement the change overnight at a speed. Yeah. And another yeah, great thing was the mar- a- marring of talent. You're right, you're right. It's easy to kind of really implement, um, you know, with a small startup versus like a, you know, thousand, 10,000 employees that you have. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing is definitely uh, marring of talent. TJ is a pharmacist, but uh, probably some of the listeners are familiar with the story, but he was. Kind of peculiar one you don't get a whole lot of you know um, pharmacists who call themselves designers right. but uh, early on he knew that he wanted to do business He's a second generation pharmacist just like myself and um, you know he wanted to do something in the business area and technology area and you know wandered around the town and ended up at MIT community where he co-founded this uh, hackathon named hacking medicine and there he meets our co-founder Elliot Cohen. And he's at Berkeley, trained uh, computer scientist with MBA from Sloan at MIT, and a bunch of capitalists actually himself. And, yeah, he's um, like a ninja, basically. He's like, <laughs> he's like pretty much a ninja. <laughs> you yeah. can pretty much say that. And and when the two met, I think something really interesting happened. And that's something that I always like to emphasize to my friends is that, you know, if the sport to be started of, of um, either said, just like, you know, out of PJ head or Elliot's said, I don't think it would have made it this far. Because um, at the heart of what we do is the core integration of technology into our service. Uh, we talked about this before, too, Richard, but um, you know, the idea of you know, dispensing pills and packets is easy. You know, again, it's been done for decades, but how the pills get into the packet is where uh, the differentiating factor really gets started. Uh, we developed, re-engineered pharmacy from the crown pub. in the sense that we wanted to, again, you know, go back to our base, you know, how can we make this experience for patients who are taking multiple medications. So we developed a pharmacy software that um, is able to predict when a patient runs out of you know, medication, able to reach out to the doctors for them, talk to the insurance companies and the payers to make sure that the pills get in the packets on the right time instead of you know, having to go to a pharmacy only to find out that you know, your doctor never sent for refill or something like that. So I think at heart of what we do is the technology integration. And, you know, if you guys go to PharmacyOS.com and compare itself to, um, you know, some of the existing kind of software like QS1, you're able to see a stark difference in what we're able to offer.
0: Yeah, I think the design part is mm -hmm. there. Um, I think the design is definitely something that's different. You know, like you said, you can, what is it, PharmacyOS.com. You can go to and see, you know, what, Mm -hmm. you can kind of see what it, what the, even i think the pharmacist might see on some of the patient profiles and things like that it's it's pretty cool um it's interesting because i think you know there's pharmacies now technically you know our pharmacy management systems have ways to know that you know you're going to be out of a refill um i just mm-hmm. think that pillpack probably took it to another level in terms of you know focusing on that follow up and focusing on making sure the patient really does not you know run out of refills um, whereas I think it's almost sometimes too busy at some of the larger chains uh-huh. to kind of give that sort of attention. Um, okay. But I think that, you know, just coming from a just with the whole paradigm shift, as, uh, by the way that they approach everything, I think they're able to break through with that software um, and, you know, provide those types of services.
1: Mm-hmm. And that leads us to the third
0: pol- uh, pillar that I like to
1: introduce, and that's customer service. And, um, you know, that's something that, I guess, hasn't been associated with healthcare too much. You know, it was the, always the idea of the doctor will see you now, right? Yeah. Um, and as Eric Topol um, likes to say all the time, I think that paradigm's is going to shift where the patient will see us now. And, um, you know, I think it's quite interesting. Uh, and one of the biggest uh, differentiated factors, I think, for me at Philpike is the proactive care that we're able to offer. You know, instead of the patients reaching out to us saying that we need this X, Y, and Z, we already, establish that X, Y, and Z before that uh, request even comes in, and then reach out to go that extra mile. How can we make this experience even better, right? And um, I think that's something that we uh, really um, took seriously and um, implemented right on. Um, Funny story, we started off as, as, you know, online uh, pharmacy. So we utilize, you know, the website as messaging platforms and whatnot. Uh, realizing later that a lot of our patients and the customer base actually uses, uh, texting and, uh, phone calling in one line. So we quickly, uh, switched out to, uh, making the sign up process, you know, very easy through phone. Uh, we're reachable by phone 24 seven and you can talk to a pharmacist anytime, which I think is uh, the best part of it all is that, you know, compared to a brick and mortar experience where, you know, sometimes you, don't necessarily have the time to get a full one-on-one attention with the pharmacists just because of, you know, how busy things are at the store time to time. Uh, at Pack, you know, we just had an entire team dedicated to taking, you know, patient phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can speak to a pharmacist directly anytime you want. Yeah. So I think that was quite interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. A quick aside, I don't know if you heard this, but I think it was Walmart. I think they had just hired like a chief, um, a chief customer officer or something like that. Did you hear about that? <laughs> no, no, actually, that, that's quite interesting. For yeah, I, th- I don't know if it was, I have to double officer. check, like don't quote me anyone, mm-hmm. but one super large uh, retailer hired a chief customer officer, which I think was interesting because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I have a, a background with Target and Target was pretty customer focused, you know, they were all about brand mm-hmm. experience, but um, I think at the end of the day, it's like, you know, having like one position or one person and that's like their sole focus, like right. I don't know, especially at a high level. I think that, and I, and I feel like I'm not sure, I don't think pill pack has the, like technically a chief, you know, customer officer, but I just feel like as an entire company that's kind of where they're at. Like their focus is just so much on the customer experience. And, um, right. So yeah, that's what that was. we good. actually have a
1: so workforce dedicated to it for what it's worth. Um, I'm um, not sure if we officially like give like an executive title for um, you know, customer experience or things like that, but we have an entire team dedicated to it and uh, uh actual location actually dedicated just like, you know, dealing with customer experience, so to speak. Yeah. Um, another, so, go, ahead. Uh-huh, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, so, you know, speaking about uh, the team, um, you know, I, I guess this is a good segue to talk about like. What is it like, you know, with the, I guess, the culture of it? You know, we see start, we see startup, you know, culture, what it looks like on TV and we hear about it and, you know, there's Silicon Valley, the the TV show, TV series. <laughs> um, what yeah. is it like in comparison to that? Like, what's the culture like, you know, in terms of interacting with people and the day to day at the office, that kind of thing?
1: Right, right. Oh, well, before I actually answer the question, let me just make sure that this doesn't fly away from my head. But uh, we we just talked about the customer-centric focus. And I remember when um, Amazon Executive came in about a couple of weeks ago to, you know, know, break this big news. Uh, They introduced themselves as no other than the most customer-centric company in the universe. Yeah. And, you know, I only see that um, to be the norm kind of going forward. You know, we cannot, uh, whatever industry you speak of, we cannot exist without being uh, that customer-centric, so to speak. Now, uh, in terms of uh, the culture here at PillPi, um quite, quite interesting. Uh, definitely had that uh, you know image of Silicon Valley uh, and you know the startups that I've seen and uh, experienced in Boston. That's quite different. You know, we we're pharmacy first, pharmacy first, and startup second. And uh, as a pharmacist entering here, like I think I get to experience kind of like um, that really, I guess, kind of care component coming into life um, on the customer end and on like the team end as well. Like. Uh, they're very like open to learning new things, um, making things happen, you know making sure that our values, our core values get conveyed to the customers and also to the team. and there is to have empty, you know make it easy, earn my trust, keep me in the loop and help me be healthy. and those are the five things that we really try to promise to our uh, patients and customers, and uh, the same promise goes back to the employees as well.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's good to know. I feel like that's <laughs> not something you're going to hear at every company. <laughs> so that's real good to know. It's, right, right. Um, just, it's funny that you mentioned the thing about, you know, the you know the most customer-focused, you know, um, company in the universe. I've heard Jeff Bezos. I've seen a couple of videos with Jeff Bezos, and he literally says that multiple times. Like, that is, like, his ultimate goal, mm-hmm. which is, it's just crazy to see that, you know, he's building this huge empire of everything, and at, at the <laughs> core of it, it's like, I want to be the most customer-centric ever made in the universe. Like, he would say, I think he's in mean, the universe. Like, I don't even think he says world type of thing. Like, it's pretty interesting. Universe it is. Yeah, like, he's, like, right. assuming there's, like, some other aliens out there, like, practicing customer service, and he also <laughs> wants to be better than them. <laughs> so. Um, um, I can't remember the exact
1: company, but he does have state uh, facts of his element as well, actually, to uh, venture into the space and whatnot. So yeah maybe who knows they'll, they'll maybe get amazon prime uh
0: in mind yeah i think <laughs> it's called blue origin i think is that blue origin you're yeah, right yeah that's the name of that space <laughs> company it's kind of i wouldn't call it a tesla i mean um i wouldn't call it a spacex competitor or anything but um they're definitely you know i, I don't they might be competitors i just don't know enough about that the spacecraft industry <laughs> but um right they uh it's definitely you know obviously he's very wealthy and he has a lot of money going into space exploration with that company. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, if anyone's interested in learning that there's another type of SpaceX like company out there, it's called Blue Origin and um, it's owned by Jeff Bezos and Amazon. So I think that's mm-hmm. um, super interesting. So um, let's go back to talking a little bit more about like the the patient experience. So I think we might have had this conversation before, but um, what do you think about like the patient, you know, going from dealing in a brick-and-mortar sense, you know, they can walk mm-hmm. in and talk to a pharmacist and pick up their prescription versus going towards the uh, patient experiencing or going through an experience with the pharmacy like PillPack?
1: Right, right. Now, first I have to say that, like, you know, having worked at a brick-and-mortar space, um, brick-and-mortar stores, like, you know, um, my parents I'm still work in a brick-and-mortar setting, both of them. And, uh, you know, I came into thinking that, oh, yeah, on my pharmacy, you know, like, we're, we're never going to be customer or patient facing. you probably like you know not a whole lot of conversations that take place there, you know, it's check, 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 and so on and so forth. I was completely wrong. Um and you know, I remember first thinking like, how can you really build a relationship and like have that um you know uh, experience that you're able to have in a brick and mortar store in a in a virtual setting. And we're able to do that by giving them a undivided attention. Um and you know this is something that we just touched on as well is the idea of when I'm on a phone with you, like I, my entire focus is on with you. I don't have to worry about, you know, running this building, playing, taking a phone call in the back room and I, uh, you know, answering my technician's questions and whatnot. No, I'm like solely dedicated to you and solving your problem only. And that's something that I think, uh, customers definitely find, um, nice about our service. And, um, you know, a lot of times we just go into so talking about life and you know, what's their experience with, uh, fuel pack and, you know, I don't know who there was beforehand. You know, I remember jumping onto several phone calls where I was on the phone for like about 45, you know, 15 minutes with one person. And I didn't think that it would have been possible if I was in a store setting. I would have been, oh uh, well, yeah, appreciate the time. You know, but we, we had you know, people waiting in the line. Um, but there's no such thing as waiting in the line when it comes to pill pack. So you know, I found that very like refreshing and something um, that could be a way forward as we go on. think don't think that personal experience with pharmacists and the pharmacy staff will ever go away. But how we deliver that experience might change drastically in the next coming years.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And it's really interesting to think about that very subtle difference, but hugely impactful in terms of, you know, the your undivided attention. I think that's a really good way to put it because, mm-hmm. you know, I was immediately thinking to my head, you know, well, yeah, but a patient can just call in and I can talk to him on the phone. I'm at the pharmacy. But it's still so different because I can feel the pressure of I'm literally at the pharmacy looking at the line or kind of mm-hmm. hearing my technician talk to someone in the background. Um, and, right. there's, you know, then another phone starts ringing that you could hear it. So I can definitely see how just that subtle difference of a patient having your undivided attention. Um, for their matter, is completely different to, you know, having an interaction with the pharmacist um, that's, you know, actively running a pharmacy, you know, so that's um, Mm -hmm. a pretty crazy distinction and and, uh, an interesting (laughs) one to think about. Right, right.
1: And at the end of the day, that's what we're there for. To, you know, have that personal experience with our patients and making sure that they get the best care possible. And, you know, a lot of times, as you said, just in that uh, busy community setting, it's community source setting it's hard to deliver the experience so i think that'll definitely certainly change as we uh you know make this the more make this kind of experience be more not an exception
0: yeah and i think um one interesting thing because you know this topic has come up a couple times and um i'd like to mention mm-hmm. my thoughts on in here not, not with you but like with other uh other just people i've talked to in passing about you know with technology and how telemedicine is coming and and machine learning mm-hmm. and things like that and Um, You know, when patients are accessing voice for their information. And I think it's important to know that building a relationship with a patient doesn't have to always be a face to face interaction, in my experience. And, you know, there's some people that Mm -hmm. will say something completely opposite. And there's companies that completely focus on face to face, you know, types of interactions. But I, I don't see a difference in communication. You know, if, if I'm able to communicate my empathy to a patient and understand what their needs are and serve those needs, I don't care how it's happening, whether it's through text message, through email, um, over the phone, you know, or even just like mm-hmm. a video chat. I think you can equally get and build relationships with people in those ways without having to just be in their physical presence. And Yes, I understand that, you know, you you know, touching someone on the shoulder definitely does have an impact. But, you know, if you really compare apples to apples, like me talking to a patient on the phone for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and having an interaction with them about their health, um, I can have a very impactful interaction with them versus it also being face to face. And and if you just think about the your ability to scale that, you know, to have Mm -hmm. those interactions with technology versus it having to be face to face. Um, I just think it's, it's, I'd rather have the, the, the interactions with technology than without, you know, if I had to pick. So that's just kind of a personal note on, on that. Right. Right. And
1: I think like a lot of the healthcare professionals, like share the same, uh, study with you. Like I remember reading like a York Times, like a thing article the other day about, uh, treat the patient, not the data, or I think it was like treat the patient, not the CT skin or something like that. You know, like we <laughs> could, sometimes way too focus on these numbers and the figures and the lab results that we get, we sometimes just forget that experience of, you know, um, you know holding the patient's hand, um, saying to them, hey, like, I'll, I'll stick with you uh, through this journey. I'll make sure that, you know, I'll give you my best attention and care so that you can get out of this with the best care possible. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes I think that got a little diluted um, as, you know, the cutting editing technologies kind of came in and uh we're uh sometimes again we're focused on the numbers and the metrics and the actual uh, actual patients involved. so
0: yeah uh, excellent
1: point there I would say.
0: so let's talk about you know your day-to-day so i want to know mm-hmm. what is it like you know being an intern at pill pack like, what <laughs> is, what are you even doing there like i'm assuming you're not just watching people work like what is it <laughs> what is it that you yeah. do day to day?
1: right, right. Um so I had a fortunate opportunity to be um, winged under Stephanie, who got to really I think she was like one of the very like first employees at Tpot when I first started. so uh, directly under her, like I was able to like observe a lot of the different roles that each department kind of plays each team definitely plays. and uh, you know as a pharmacist intern, like we definitely um had that leverage of being able to do that the pharmacists are able to do um, and technicians are not able to do, right? So I'm able to kind of switch my positions very fluidly. And um, thankfully, my boss and the team were okay with me just going um, on a weekly basis, going with different teams, observe how their processes work, right? And, you know, met them out, um, seeing where it could be improved, you know, relaying the conversation to the teammates or the department heads and going from there. So I think I'd bring in like my uh, passion and heart for design. And again, that's designing experience, right? Uh, and that's both on the patient end and our end as well, because you know we always go in the idea of, there must be a better way of doing this, instead of saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And uh, we definitely want to implement that, even at our uh, team level and our company level, in the sense that uh, you know, we want to we want to definitely document everything that happens on um, how we process these different tests and make sure that it can be handled better. So um, I've been getting what, what we call cross-training in different teams, um, observing what their processes are and seeing where the overlaps are and making sure to reduce and streamline the process or at least uh, take a part of uh, helping that process.
0: So is there like maybe, I don't know, I don't want to get like too detailed into like what processes you're going through, but maybe <laughs> like, you know, can you provide like an overview of like what the different teams are or like, you know, mm-hmm. what different aspects are people like solely focusing on? Or can you give us a little bit insight on that?
1: We we have a clinical team, we have a prescription service team, and we have like the customer experience, so to speak, right? Yeah. So we have like you know, one side where it's just dealing solely with you know our patients or the customers. And making sure that they get the best experience possible, you I know, mean, customer experience team kind of does that. The clinical services and prescriptions team basically, you know, stand for what they. We uh, really say clinical services basically offers that. Uh, um, well, let's let's put it this way. You know, pill pad was set into place to make sure to reduce headaches for the patients. You know, when they navigate through the healthcare system, they often are set into place where they have to talk to their doctors about the refills, you know, all these different, you know, have I been on, you know, uh, this drug with this dose before, but suddenly increased to like, oh, I do a new dose. Was this by a mistake or something like that? Um, you know, talking to your payers, insurers, you know, making sure you get the credit authorization and everything. It's it's, it's a hassle. And, uh, you know, when, when it comes to the point of where you're taking management of, you know, five, six more medications, it's a full-time job, right? Yeah. And we make sure that um, those headaches we can take on ourselves. So, our teams are basically designated around that. Like, you know, we have a team dedicated to, you know, handling billing. We have a team dedicated to handling, you know, making sure the refill is like, you know, like get uh, settled down with the doctors, uh, you know, if it was denied, like, you know, uh, conveying that to our customers and making sure that they can get in touch with the right um, team or the right uh, personnel um, and making sure that, you know, all these experiences goes very smoothly. So that's kind of like how our rules are divided into. Is basically think of what the patient had to do uh, by themselves before Philip Calder came in place, and we kind of like take that chunk by chunk and make that into a team.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, I think in one of the articles I wrote, I had talked about how you know because the I mean they've kind of definitely figured out the dispensing part of it, but I just feel like dispensing and you know. Uh, I guess, for lack of better terms, I like call it MTM, like dispensing versus managing medications, is mm-hmm. complete, is two completely separate things. Like, and you know, now they go hand in hand. And I don't know if I thought Amazon's entry into healthcare was going to be the separating of that, whereas they're kind of just kind of acquired a company that is kind of has it separated, but um, but it's all in house still. And, um, I think that's, Mm. you know, really the future of making sure that the future of the patient experience is like really having people dedicated and focused on, you know, helping people manage these medications and and managing their therapy. Um, you know, initially we're, we're really stuck on, you know, how do we get reimbursed for it and things like that. And, um, Mm -hmm. obviously, cause that's, I I think it's probably going to be the new model and the new way we go. But, um, I think, you know, it's, it's two completely separate activities in pharmacy and, Um, I think Mm -hmm. this might be the beginning of seeing that separation. So um, I'm real curious to see where it it goes.
1: And I'm I'm really excited that we're moving beyond suspension, you know, like filling bottles, you know, making sure that the pills, like, you know, pills are counted and accounted for and whatnot. You know, those tests um, will be definitely automated and it should be automated. As you said, like, uh, way forward is, again, you know, fostering the environment where uh, our patients, feel like they're getting the care they deserve. And, you know, there's some um, very provocative uh, things out there, especially in the Valley, where uh, venture capitalists, like Zina Kostlov, says 80% of the doctors will be replaced by robots, or Dr. AI, as he likes to say. And, you know, I always like to kind of like add on uh, saying to that, that, yeah, it might be replaced, but we got to take a step back. You know, uh, 80% of roles might be replaced. But you know there will be new roles that will be created yeah. in conjunction to the roles that will disappear, and you know those are the ones that we need to focus on. There is One no point. point of going against the wave of change, and as we've seen it from you know the first industrial revolution, and you know movements like the movement where uh, you know workers try to go against the invention of steam engine and uh, the idea of factories and whatnot, and look where they stand today, You know uh, it just becomes a line in the history. And in order to prevent that, I think we definitely need to take that proactive approach. Uh, instead of saying that, um, you know, we flat out deny the technological advancement and innovation because, um, you know, our future as healthcare professions might change, we should say, how can we work with this technological innovations and advancement to provide a better care for our patients? Because the future of pharmacy, future of healthcare in general, has always stayed the same, is to provide affordable care um, to widespread um, to pretty much like all people uh, at affordable cost, again, um, with little to no error and providing the best care possible. And I I believe that future and that like North Star will never change. And um, that's the mindset we need to have in making sure that we're deviating away from the competitive landscape of it's humans versus the machine, humans versus the AI. Better to humans with AR or humans with machines, how can we work this together, so to speak?
0: And I'm so glad you brought up, you know, the industrial revolution and, and kind of as a comparison, because I really do. I don't know what, what we're going to call it eventually, because, you know, those names don't usually come <laughs> until kind of after the fact. But I think right. we're in that period right now with pharmacy, like, you know, we're, we're really at a crossroads where again, we're not going to slow the change. Like, I don't know who thinks that's going to happen where, you know, we're going to go back and, you know, to where things were. And so like that, the, the fact that we started with these $4 generic list and that, you know, it's just a well-known factor fact that medications, you know, especially the the generic small molecules, like they are very inexpensive. And that's Mm -hmm. not going to change. And, you know, it's (laughs) just going to be that we're going to have to have these new roles and these new ways and these new uh, revenue models of, of, delivering healthcare as a sustainable business. And um, I think we're in that period now and I'm excited about it because I think, you know, as I see you are, and as I see, and I'm hoping that others will start to follow is that we're at a point now where we're going to, our roles are changing and we need to, we can Mm -hmm. can create them, you know, like that's another thing. Like we don't have to sit around and, you know, wait for them to be offered to us. We can there's so many mm-hmm. positions in pharmacy that we have no idea what it's called that a pharmacist that does some random act of mm-hmm. providing healthcare that we can create it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's serving mm-hmm. a need, if it's um, you know, something that can can be scalable and sustainable, like it's gonna be created. And um I'm really excited about it. And um I think you know you're gonna be on the better half of that as well. And <laughs> um, I hope, you know, it's crazy because like I'm having these conversations with you and obviously it makes sense because, you know, you, um, you're going to be a second generation pharmacist, but, you know, no one would ever think that, you know, you're just now getting started with it, you know, cause you, I'm just, I'm really excited to follow, you know, where you're going to go with your future and, um. And you know, we kind of really did talk about you know what the I wanted to ask you kind of what the what you were thinking of the future of pharmacy you know was going to be like in the patient experience. I mean, did you mm-hmm. did you have other stuff to add or um, because I feel like we kind of talked about that a lot? But I mean, what do you think about anything else about the future of pharmacy and where you see it going?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, other than you know industry trends, like you know, there's going to be more vertical integrations where you know payers, insurers, you know, like. Um, Pharmacy chains will kind of come together to leverage their power and position. And, you know, those all past that. Um, you know, again, like it has to all go back to the patient. You know, making sure that and you know the norm will be to have the patient or the customer at the center of everything that we do. And you know, the idea of what Eric Couples says, the patient will see you now instead of the doctor will see you now. And um, uh, I, I think going forward, like I definitely want to like and and like leave with the notes um to you know my fellow like you know pharmacy students and the future pharmacists and that is to you know explore beyond you know our traditional like space um i think why we ended up you know you me tj like all these different pharmacists who are kind of like um in, in a weird place so to speak we ended up in weird places because i think we had our heads in um this different spaces other than pharmacy and only when you uh, put your interest outside uh, where your feet is, I think you're able to create something interesting. Um, Steve Jobs you know, used to say that creativity is just connecting two things. And you know, I wholeheartedly agree and add to that. that innovation is just connecting two unlikely things together. For pillpath it was technology and pharmacy and making sure that that's driven with an excellent customer experience. For Apple, that was, again, with technology and design. And You know i feel like that's going to be um the future for us where pharmacy integrates and blurs line with different industries pharmacy and i don't know fashion pharmacy and food pharmacy and law and things like that and i'm I'm just excited that you and i are going to be standing at the forefront and making sure to witness and you know hopefully lead the change that's going to come
0: yeah and man let me tell you this was an amazing episode i hope Everyone that tuned in, uh, you know, got a little bit more insight as to the future of pharmacy, learned a little bit about PillPack. Tell the listeners where they can find you in case they have questions, in case they want to connect with you. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of students that want to see what, you know, what you're going to be up to or or, even pharmacists, you know, because of the future that you're going to have. What's going to be the best place or all the different ways I guess people can reach you? <laughs> yeah of course i i'm on all
1: like social media platforms that you can reach out to me via linkedin i'm under denny Jiyang Kim, and the same name for facebook and uh, you can reach me uh, via instagram which is which is jyd underscore kim and i'm sure richard will um you have all these information no nah, in the i'm not
0: gonna so. I'm not gonna put that anywhere <laughs> no i'm just kidding guys yeah you can fi- you're gonna be able to find all his contact information in the show notes of the um of the podcast episode which hopefully you're listening on itunes or google play um, or soundcloud whatever um you're definitely going to be able to find it in the show notes there well danny thank you so much for being on the show really appreciate you
1: of course richard i always appreciate your time and your energy thank you so much
0: Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed what you just listened to. Make sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms and however you're listening, whether it be on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or something else we didn't just mention, we'd appreciate you to subscribe, leave us a rating, and even drop us a comment and let us know what you think. And until next time, see you over the counter.
1: there yeah.